Welcome to Just to Know You, the podcast that interviews regular people at SAES and finds out they are far from regular. That's right. I'm your host, Darian Batten. And I'm Angela Kerskadden. Let's get started. We are joined by Dan Hallwood and Jessica Charvet. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, okay, so I'd like to start off by asking Jessica, where are you from? Uh, I was born in Colorado and then moved to California in middle school. I wanted to be an actress and so went for the whole Hollywood thing. Uh, decided that wasn't really for me and stayed in California through university a little bit after and then um, started teaching in Myanmar after that. Okay, I'm already curious about the whole California uh, try to be a movie star thing. Like, how seriously did you pursue I that? I had a manager and an agent, but it, yeah. I wasn't getting a lot of auditions. I, when I was in middle school, I looked older, and they're looking for people who look younger because they can keep you cast longer. So right. it it didn't really work out. Um, so well, and I got interested in other things. Once I got into high school, I wanted to do drumline and yeah. Very cool. So did your family move there though, for you to pursue this? My mom did yeah, with my brother. Yeah. So my parents were split. My dad That's stayed awesome. in Colorado and, uh, my mom yeah. took the rest of us out. That's amazing. Very supportive. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I can't <laughs> even imagine. <laughs> Uh, what about you, Dan? Where did you grow up? Um, uh, born and raised. Okay, so my father's from Liverpool, England. My mom is from Long Island, New York. They were like hippie travelers back in the 70s. And they met on a bus in South India in 1978, I think it was. Yeah, only two white people on a bus. And uh, my mom chatted up my dad. And that was in 1980. Um, they got married in 1982 and uh, had me in 84. And I was lived my whole life in India from until I was 18 years old. So I'm a third culture kid. I went to international schools just like all of the kiddos here. Same with my brother. Uh, my mom was a guidance counselor at uh, international schools. And my dad had a, a golf tour business. A what so, business, sorry? Golf tour. So he would oh. have people from uh, like uh, Korea, Japan, uh, Malaysia, and he would basically take them on golf tours all around South India because when you had the British Raj there, they set up amazing golf courses and the British railway system. So in all of the little hill stations, he was in cahoots with all of the regular golfers and the golf clubs. And he would set up two week and three week tours around Southeast India, like sightseeing and going golfing. Yeah. Cause it's cheaper, especially for the Japanese, it's cheaper to fly to India and golf for three weeks than it is to go golfing, you know, once, I mean, even when we were in Korea, it was, pricey to go golfing like several yeah. hundreds of dollars and in japan i apparently it's even more like thousands so. interesting um okay you have a really interesting childhood so what mm. part of india you were you did you go to school in and live in? so we uh there is a school called Kodi canal international school that was started in 1901 it's one of <laughs> india's oldest boarding schools 
Um, and uh, yeah, I was born in Cody Canal. And the only reason you either live in Cody Canal is either you're a local and if you're a foreigner, you have something to do with Cody Canal International School. And uh, I attended Cody Canal International School up until from preschool up until October of 10th grade before mm -hmm. uh, I got myself expelled. Okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, so I went into boarding their boarding program in ninth grade because my mom was like, all right, I need a change. And she moved to the Canadian International School. She's like, Dan, you're going off to university in four years. I need to start making some big bucks. So she moved to the Canadian International School. And I had like done my whole life there. I didn't want to leave. My parents had separated at that point. Um, but I was like, all right, I'll give boarding school a try. Um, so I went into their boarding program and had a great time. Made a couple of dumb decisions in my 10th grade year in October or so. And uh, four of us got busted. I'm not going to say for doing Well, this is a PC show. And then we just went and basically joined my mom at the Canadian International School. Um, and then from there, we moved to the American International School of Chennai, which is where I did my junior and senior year. And then from wow. there, went to the States and uh, did university. Yeah. And then couldn't wait to leave America. I lasted eight years before I was like, I'm done. I need out of here and uh, moved back to Asia. I want to ask you one more question about your, your childhood in India, then mm -hmm. we'll move on. Uh, what is like your, what is one of your like famous go-to stories about your childhood that you, you share the most? Okay. Well, it actually has to do with a uh, joke day in third grade. Um, I had this teacher called Miss Sabanathan, and she was this English lady. She's very, like, hoity-toity, and mm -hmm. we had to all go, like, you know, find a joke, tell a joke. And the night before, my mom and dad had had some friends over, and they were doing, like, a movie night, and I was, like, I was lying in bed, and I could hear the movie outside, <laughs> and it was with John Candy and, oh, God, Steve Martin. Trains, planes, and automobiles. Yeah, yeah. No, and no there was, I was just listening to the movie, and there was a line in there where there's Steve Martin's walking down the stairs, and he turns around to John Candy, and he says, hey, what's the difference between a pregnant woman and a light bulb? And obviously, like, the answer is you can unscrew a light bulb. My parents laughed hysterically. Everyone in the house laughed hysterically. I was like, oh, man, I need a joke. The, obviously, this is getting laughs. So I go to school the next day. It's my turn. I stand up in front of the <laughs> class. I throw the joke out there. A couple of kids were like, oh, I know this one. I know this one. Obviously, nobody got it. I said the punchline. My teacher went quite red, um, and then she. <laughs> I walked into my mom's office after school, and she just started laughing hysterically. She's like, Daniel, what Aww. did you do? Oh, my God, honey. So sometimes when we watch movies, you, do, you, you know, you can't uh, – she's basically just laughing. She just laughed it off, and she's I, like, yeah. I love that your mom has a good sense of humor. Oh, totally. <laughs> she thought it was hysterical. She was like, yeah, so, movies that you hear at home, just don't 
you know, don't bring that to class because Miss Sabanathan's not like that. That's awesome. And I also love that your story is, um, it's not about anything crazy about India, which kind of no. goes to show that you probably lived a very typical childhood, totally. just like in, in India. Just, I mean, yeah, didn't know anything else. You know, I mean, we would go to the States to visit my cousins every summer and we go visit yeah. my family in Australia in winter and stuff. But to me, it was just life in general. You know, it wasn't any different. I was always terrified when my mom was like, all right, boys, your father and I are separating and I'm moving back to America. That always terrified me because I would hear from my cousins, like how rough schools were in the States and like you know, maybe it's not like that in most places, but where my cousins went to school, it just sounded terrifying. Mm. So for me to ever like think about going to school in America, just freaked me out. Mm. University was different. That was, you know, I was 18 by the time I got there, but like as a kid, like going to high school in the States or middle school in the States. Yeah. I wouldn't have traded my childhood for anything in the world. I love the fact that I'm a third culture kid, you know, very All cool. of these munchkins are going to turn out fine. <laughs> and I'm still best friends with my mates that I have known from second, third, and fourth grade. We are still super tight. Yeah. We talk to each other every week, see each other all the time. And it's, you know, it's great. I have like friends all over the world. It's very yeah. cool. Jessica, can you tell me about how you and Dan met? Oh, so um, there was a teacher who uh, asked the people who were doing housing. So this teacher and I, we, what country we were in were Myanmar in? and we oh, okay. got there at the same time and we became close friends and we lived a couple doors down from each other in a hotel. We lived in Arinio Lake Hotel. And when the new teachers were coming the next year, she wanted the single men near her. So Dan comes and he ends up smack dab in the middle of us. So it's her apartment, his apartment, my apartment. And um, we were, we hung out with the same group of friends for about a year and then um, kind of started flirting. And uh, he asked me out for our first date. We went and saw Abraham Lincoln, Vampire Hunter. And uh, then we went to House of Memories, which is this really nice old uh, colonial restaurant that used to be General Aung San's office. And if you know anything about Burmese history, back uh, after independence from Britain, uh, was it? uh, So Aung San Suu Kyi, the famous woman who has been on house arrest for so many years and then was released and is back arrested. Uh, Her dad was the general who was in charge and his offices were in this house and they turned it into a restaurant later on. So uh, we went and ate there and it was really good Burmese food. And um, actually this same friend ended up calling one morning. I was over at Dan's. It was international day. She called and I answered his phone and it was seven o'clock in the morning before work. Yeah, and she was like, uh, well, maybe you should just start. Maybe you should be boyfriend and girlfriend already. And we thought about it and thought, okay, sure. Why not? Yeah. yeah. And, and that was and that. Was and, that, that. Was and then, um, you know, you never know if something's going to last. But uh, it did. 
here we are. How many years it later? Went, 11 years later, we're, we've lived in Myanmar, Thailand, Korea. We had a year off to travel. And now we're here in Saudi Arabia. You just never know where life's going to no, take you. I, no. you know, I never thought, like, to be honest, I was like, oh, I'm in Myanmar. There aren't a whole lot of options here. I'm attracted to this guy. Um, so, you know, it'll be a fling. <laughs> yeah. She was the weird vegan girl that lived next door that went to bed awfully, awfully <laughs> early. And now I'm just the weird <laughs> vegan girl who lives in his house who goes to bed awfully, awfully yep. early. <laughs> yeah. Yep, not, not a lot's changed. Yeah. You know, only thing is we haven't had to, we didn't get the chance to have our nice big wedding that we've wanted in Thailand because COVID happened. Yeah. You know, we, I proposed in New Zealand. But COVID wasn't 11 years ago. No, no it wasn't. We waited a we, lot. We like I waited a while a long time. before. A while. It was I about, didn't think I ever wanted to get married. Yeah. She was like a hard no. I don't want to get married. <laughs> I wore her down and then popped the question on a, glacier in new zealand she said yes nice what were you gonna do? she didn't want to get married how that was kind of an unsure thing to do like, you know kind of floated it around I, yeah i kind of got the feel for it like yes it would work it would be it would happen that year i proposed in december we were like all right following year we're gonna have our wedding in thailand and then february the following year covid hit yeah. And then we're like, well, we obviously can't ask people to travel. And then the following year, we're like, people have passed on or not anyone we know, but family members have lost people. People have lost jobs. We can't ask them to fly from America to the other side of the world and shell out a bunch of cash. And uh, yeah, so we've just had a small little ceremony in in, uh, Colorado at the courthouse. And we're still hoping to hopefully next Christmas, get the gang together. Yeah. Uh, we might be married, but we still have our wedding plans to mm-hmm. tackle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> At that point, we'll, we'll, we'll just renew our vows. Maybe it'll be another 10 years before we get our act together. <laughs> it maybe. probably will be, actually. Mm-hmm. We're not the best yeah. at getting things done. No, we talk a big game. Yeah, well... You know, it comes yeah. a point where you're like, oh. exactly, exactly. Um, so d- how long have you been a vegan for? Uh, so I became a vegetarian in fourth grade. That's when I stopped eating like oh. the flesh of an animal, but I stopped eating mm-hmm. everything else when I was 19. I was pretty active in the animal rights movement in the Los Angeles area. And I knew that there were the battery hens condition, I, uh, conditions. I knew um, what was going on with dairy and the veal industry and how dairy cows are, are kept for most of the milk in the U.S. So I knew all of that, but I was justifying the fact that, well, I'm not eating their flesh. So, you know, mm. and then one day I just couldn't anymore. I'd seen just enough videos. I, I had read enough books. I'd read enough articles and I went to Del Taco the night of water carnival. I was a lifeguard and we have a big annual water carnival in Burbank every year. And I went to pick up my dinner at Taco Bell. I ordered the Veggie Works burrito with no cheese, no sour cream. And that was it. Didn't go back. So it's been a, a big part of my life for most of my life. Do you find it challenging when yes. you're traveling? 
In fact, the mm. I've been super successful most places, um, even Korea, which was really hard at first because there's a, a lot of pork in a lot of food. I could get French fries a lot of places. So yeah, you get kind of sick of French fries, but at least I had something. Mm. In Italy, I <laughs> did my best. I don't speak Italian. We were on our bicycle ride. We were up in the middle of nowhere in these you know, small towns and culturally they don't understand no cheese. So I was lucky to get vegetarian meals. And so when Mm -hmm. I would get a pizza that was covered in cheese rather than sending it back because it was a language barrier, it was already on there. I would eat it. But here's what's interesting. I thought that I was going to, if I ate cheese, it would be this like domino effect and I wouldn't be able to like be vegan anymore because I would love it so much because cheese was what I missed. But I tried, like, I ate it because I was starving on this bike ride and that's what they gave me. And I didn't like it. I thought it was really gross. Mm. It left this like aftertaste that mm. I just, I like vegan cheese now. They've really done a lot better yeah. than when I became vegan with the, their recipes. I make my own cheeses out of cashews or potatoes and carrots and nutritional yeast. And there's just so much more you can do. Yeah. Well, good for you. That's amazing. And Dan, has she influenced your diet at all? Absolutely. Um, I thought vegan f- food was just some we- – like I had no idea. I was just like, oh, great. We're just eating plants, okay? Like, that, you know. Um, and honestly, it's been a whole new world. I love vegan food. We eat it constantly. I don't cook meat at home. Um, I get in trouble if I like use a you know microwave to like heat up meat. <laughs> I understand why I get it. Like when you cook meat in the house, it does smell gross. So I don't do that. And I don't eat meat as often because I'm with Jess. And honestly, like I feel better. My gut feels better. All movements are more regular, <laughs> uh, consistent. Um, and yeah, I mean, just it's really going, traveling around the world and seeing all of the cool things that vegans, vegan restaurants are able to do with vegan food. It's just, it's really cool. I went to this incredible vegan restaurant in Kyoto run by all women. And it was one of the, it was expensive, but hands down one of the best meals I've ever had. Yeah, I, I feel like it's, vegan restaurants are like the best food because there's yeah. so much flavor. So much flavor and you feel good when you leave, right? Yeah, that's awesome. So you guys took the last year of your life to travel around the world. And where did the idea come from? Uh, Toby and Tiffany. It's well, well, so it's kind of always been like Toby and I, we've always talked so about just- like, just for our listeners, can you yeah. explain who Toby so, and Tiffany is? So Tobias is my brother um, and Tiffany is my sister-in-law. And we luckily all got jobs in uh, Aramco and we all landed here at RT the same year this year. Um, Tiffany is down the hall in teaching third grade, right down the hall from Jessica. She goes by the last name, Miss Hallwood. Uh, my name's Hallwood. Jess doesn't have my last name. So the kids are all very confused. <laughs> Um, but we had always planned that like when we got older, you know, Toby and I are going to, we're going to take a year off and we're going to travel and all of this. And then obviously like life happened and we found partners and Toby and Tiffany 
did it before we did and before they had kids like two years. They actually did it and COVID hit while they were in South America. They were in Argentina. They were on one of those planes like scrambling to get back. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, their their year off was kind of cut short, but we waited till we were done. And, you know, we were in Korea and you in Korea, you get that nice like severance, especially with Korea, the severance and pension package when you leave. Yeah. So, you know, we did five years there and between the two of us, we collected just under a hundred grand and we were like, let's, you know what, we're going to take a year off. We don't have kids. And we're just going to travel and go wherever we want to go, do whatever we want to do. We're not going to hold back and let's do it. We're at a point in our lives where we can yeah. do it. And luckily we had Jess's mom in Costa Rica who is retired there. And she was gracious enough to take our fur babies in for, for a year. Turning into a lot longer than one year because they're not here yet. <laughs> and uh, we dropped the, uh, we ended in Korea, dropped the dogs off, um, went and saw some family in the States and, then started our uh, bike trip, and we flew into Switzerland, where I met all of my friends from Cody Canal International School. We spent like two weeks mm-hmm. together, and then we rode our bikes from Switzerland to Marrakesh along the Mediterranean and over the Alps, which was five thousand five hundred plus kilometers. I didn't do Morocco. I ended in Spain, but we we accidentally overstayed our uh, Schengen. Is that how you say it? Schengen visas? We yeah. we didn't do our research, and so we were there for about a month longer than we were supposed to be. The whole trip took a lot longer than we thought. We thought it was only going to take us I'm like two slow. and a half months. I'm a slow bike rider. <laughs> but like, how long did it, it take took you? Four months to get to Spain. It took four months to get to Spain. It took me five and a half months to get down to Marrakesh. So Jess okay. left. Jess left in just after Valencia. Um, it was like December first f- was when we like we had to be out, and she was like, "It's feeling like a job. I want to go back to Costa Missed Rica." Missed my fur babies. Yeah, I missed the fur babies, and I was just like, "I'm gonna carry on solo. I need to finish the ride." Um, and we had friends who we worked with in Korea, and they had just gotten jobs and started at the American School of Marrakesh. That's kind of why we were riding down there. And uh, yeah, I was just like, I'm going to finish. And I continued on, rode down to Gibraltar, got on the boat, put my bicycle on the boat, got to Morocco and Tangier, and then rode along the coast and did Tangier, Casablanca, and eventually made my way to Marrakesh. Um, And yeah, it was, you know, that bike ride, everything you need in life can fit on a bicycle really i mean you have your small bit of technology which you really only need your phone um you have your tent which we had a nice big tent with like two rooms so it was very comfortable um and we had you know some clothes and like our cooking stove and stuff and like every day we'd wake up in the morning and our only job was to ride a bicycle for 50 kilometers um some of the most beautiful scenery we've ever seen and then at the end of the day, we'd ride up to a campsite, check in like 15 euros, set up a camp, meet some cool people, spend a night extra if we liked it, um, and just keep going. Yeah, and we did, we started, where was it? We did uh, Geneva to Northern Italy, where we did uh, Lake Como, and then we rode our bicycles all the way around Lake Como, and then we rode down to Milan, 
And then from Milan, we went up and over the mountains and came down to Portofino. And then once we got to the Mediterranean, we just went right and basically rode the Mediterranean all the way through south of France and Saint-Tropez and Monaco. Monaco was crazy. <laughs> it's not, there it's, it's very is expensive. an underground roundabout. So you have all these tunnels and I don't like riding through tunnels and I don't like riding through roundabouts. And it had both. And then we're on this tunnel and I hate tunnels and we're riding and it's uphill and the cars are just zoom, 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 zoom going through. Yeah, um, yeah. That was probably the worst part of the ride. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Did you know where you were camping and like, like weeks ahead or was it just kind of like roll into a town, Google a campground and figure it out? Dan did a lot of planning. But there were times towards the end, especially when seasons were starting to close at campsites. And I'm thinking of one time Mm. in particular, there was only one campsite that was open anywhere near us. And they said that it was a naturist campsite. We didn't know what that meant. We know we have friends who are naturalists who study nature. And so we were like, oh, cool, like nature. So we get there and they're like, oh, you know, you have to be naked, right? That's what naturist means. (laughs) Oh, yeah, the nudist campsite. Oh, I would not have known that. And they're like, but it's cold outside. (laughs) I guess it was getting cold when the sun went down. And and the lady at the gate, she was like, you have to agree to be naked. And so we were like, well, we don't have anywhere else to stay. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Do you have to be outside? Yep. No, it was outside. So we have our tents. Um, So. We we could stay in the tent, and then there was a restaurant and, like, a convenience store and a couple other buildings. I'm glad, though, we checked because she was like, especially when you go into a building, especially when you go, yes, into the, the store and the restaurant, you have to be naked. We went and checked first, and we looked in the restaurant, and everyone had clothes on. Can you imagine if we were the only like, one? Well, everyone's gonna be. But it was cool. Like you just have like all the retired people, like not a care in the world. And I was like, I want to be you. Like I, I don't want to be worried about all the things I'm worried about. I just want to be like carefree and comfortable with myself. And I felt weird having clothes on in the beginning because <laughs> oh. everyone's naked, right? So you're like, people are looking at well, you. A like, lot of it started to get cold, so a lot of the men were like putting on t-shirts. Not pants. Yeah, but nothing on underneath. (laughs) That's hilarious. Um, Okay, so, yeah, so how organized were you? We went to REI. We did all of our shopping, and I had planned out the entire – yeah, I had planned out the entire route from start to finish. I knew where we were going to ride to what town each day. Okay. And it was we would wake up in the morning and I would say, okay, this is the campsite that we're riding to. And we would ride to that campsite. Or we would ride in mid at lunch. We'd sit down at lunch and say, hey, we're a little tired. We're not going to make it to that distance or we're going to make it past. What's a campsite that's either before our yeah. destination or a little bit or afterwards. we found out it was closed and we would yeah. have to change plans. closed and we'd have to change maybe get a hotel how heavy were your bike packs really dan's especially can't like mine had all of our stuff like panniers up in the front panniers in the back i mean heavy really really heavy 
Yeah, we had like six months worth of our stuff there. And then you're riding and you're just buying stuff. I mean, Jess bought a pair in Valencia. She bought Doc Martin boots. <laughs> I that did. Decided to carry on the trip. And we were close to the end. And I knew that. So I figured I can yeah. carry these for another week or two. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. And then, so like, how fit did you get? Uh, you would think you'd lose weight, but I mean, you just, you ride and then you're drinking wine and beer and yeah. eating great food. But again, yeah. you're like biking all day. Right. So like yeah. you're kind of maybe putting on one or two pounds, but then you're, you know, it kind of evens itself yeah. out. My yeah. legs got strong. I, I started seeing the muscle come back to my legs. So that was nice. Um, not much in the upper body because, you know, I wasn't doing anything. I wasn't going and doing push-ups when I got to camp or anything like I thought I was going yeah. to. So you guys did biking and then you went Costa Rica. Yeah, so we spent some time in Costa Rica just at my mom's place. Dan learned how to surf. And then we did Colombia. And we that was cool because we were able to – uh, meet up with several different friends. Our friend Paul, who we worked with in Thailand, who is now living in Canada, uh, met us for the first week. And then, Cartagena. yeah, in Cartagena. And then my friend Cascade, who I worked with in Myanmar, who now lives in New Mexico, met us for the next week in Bogota. And then our friend Mike, who we worked with in Korea, met us for the last two weeks when we were in Santa Marta. So oh, it was, fun. it was pretty awesome. <laughs> That's so special. Only like international teachers yeah. are going to yeah. like, one time we had this kind of like a friend of a friend, like, and uh, she was getting her pilot's license and she had to like bank all of these hours. And so she was moving to um, the Maldives Ooh. to do those like little puddle yeah. jump flights. And I said, I said to her, don't invite us. Cause you know, we'll yeah. show up. And she said, like really kind of seriously. She's like, I know. And she never did. <laughs> oh, bummer. So I was like, I was like, she knows that like there's certain people that might yeah. show up, yeah. but I think international teachers, they go. Yeah. Oh, totally. totally. <laughs> That's awesome. So in Colombia, were you biking? No, no. we kind of, it was nice biking in, in Europe. And then we got to Colombia and you just felt so stagnant. I would have loved to have biked through Columbia. I'll ride my bicycle <laughs> Those anywhere. Those are some pretty big mountains. But uh, Jess was, yeah, and that altitude. was done. So, and it's also like it's not one of the safest countries to be riding through as a husband and wife. Um, even just doing it by yourself as a male or two males, like you can run into some problems. Um, but yeah, so we just uh, we rented a motorcycle at one point. For mm -hmm. a couple of days, um, drove outside of Medellin, or was it? Yeah, it was from Medellin yeah. to uh, what was Guatape. 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 Yeah. Um, and then just yeah, stayed in Airbnbs in Bogota. Just did uh, some random <laughs> stuff. I went funny. I, funny enough, I went. Uh, I wanted to go get a haircut, so I went to go get a haircut, and the barber's like, "Hey, how's it going? What are you trying to do?" He's like, "There's a festival happening." I walk out with a great haircut and tickets to a three-day festival, that literally having bands like the 1975, Blink-182, with the barber, who the guy who owns the place and the barber, and wonderful people. And I meet his girlfriend, and his girlfriend and I get talking, 
And, you know, I'm like, yeah, I'm going to be moving to Saudi Arabia, Ross, this place called Ross Tenor. And she kind of looks at me, goes, Aramco? Saudi? I was like, yes. She's like, I did my entire schooling at Dahran Hills. It was the most amazing. And her dad was a Venice, uh, is a Colombian oil guy. And she did her entire middle school and elementary, and elementary at Dahran Hills and just raved about it. And new Ross Tanura. She gets super excited. She goes, like, we have to go back to her house. She runs upstairs, tells her father. Her father is, like, losing it. She can't believe it. Like, what a small world, blah, 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 blah. So, yeah, that was another, like, small <laughs> little random connection that happened in Colombia. What are the chances? Yeah, the chances, right? Now, do you guys speak Spanish? No. But luckily, my friend Cascade does. So when we were in yeah. Bogota, we at least had somebody to help yeah. us translate a little bit. Yeah. Um, I'm picking up a little bit of Spanish. I yeah. still, that's a life goal of mine, is to learn Spanish mm -hmm. eventually. Like me, as a yeah. third culture kid, I, would, I should know another language, and I speak English, <laughs> which is really yeah. sad, you know. I, yeah. I tell our kids so that their languages are, are a superpower, yeah, you know, really. it just, it really is. It I can do a lot so of accents. Worse. I can do a lot of accents, but I can't <laughs> speak another language. And I get you know, a little bit of other languages here and there. When I was a real little kid, I used to speak Tamil because like our, my maids in the house, they all spoke Tamil. I was friends with all of their kids. And then I started going to international schools and I just basically, yeah. you know, you know how it goes. Yeah. Yeah. So what's next on the bucket list? Another year off. <laughs> I So for me, it's hard. I told Dan we have to work until all of our pets pass because I can't travel and be away from them without just being really sad. No. So that's really hard on me and it's really hard on them. And I don't want to do that anymore. So we're not getting any more pets. <laughs> We're, okay. we're keeping our, we have a 13 year old cat, a nine year old dog and a five year old dog. And, um, that, that's yeah, it. And yeah. once they pass, we can continue fostering. Fostering's fine. But yeah. if we're going to take time off and travel, we need to do it. Yeah. Pet yeah. free. Yeah. 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 So your mom has had yes. your cats. And she has her own too. She's got five yeah. animals right now, three cats and two dogs. Yeah, that's a lot. No, like, and she, not just moved her life from Colorado to California for me when I was a teenager, but um, she does things like this. And I'm, I just don't know how to possibly ever repay her. My bucket list is Africa. I have not been anywhere except like Northern Africa. I would love to go to Nam Namibia. Mm -hmm. And I feel like one way I could really pay my mom back would be to like treat her to a volunteer program mm -hmm. or something in Namibia. Sorry. Yeah, or um, diving yeah. with great white sharks or something, you know. Yeah. yeah. Wow. So you guys have, uh, you've had quite the adventures. What I wanted to ask you about, kind of stepping back. So wait, so you you did five months in Europe. How many months in Costa Rica? Oh, we did about, about four weeks. So about a month. Total about a month, yeah. Yeah. A month in Costa Rica. And then how long in, in Colombia. Five weeks in Colombia and then another okay. three and weeks then, in Mexico. And we, we were in between um, Costa Rica the whole time, though. Yeah. Like we That was our home base. We yeah. were going back and forth. Going back and forth. Uh, but yeah, we did three weeks in Mexico and we met more friends. Our principal from Thailand and her husband met yeah. us there. They live in Sydney, Australia now. Yeah. 
So, <laughs> okay. That sounds like amazing year. Yeah. So where's home? I guess it's here now. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, uh, for me, India, India's home. India's yeah. home. And anywhere in South India, like, I mean, that's why it's so, I love it here with all of my Indian staff and all of the custodians and like, it's all of the smells of the lunchbox. <laughs> it just really brings back a lot of memories. I actually even know some of the, my students, um, their older brothers are going to Cody Canal International School. That's where their parents are deciding to send them to boarding school. So it's these weird little connections. Some of the kids have even just been to Cody Canal as well. So it's kind of, yeah, but home for me is definitely India. You guys, this has been so wonderful. I feel like, like I just like, I knew about all your travels, but I didn't know any like interest, like the details of your stories and on a scale of like kind of one to 10, how would you, I'm sure you're going to say 10, but how would you rate your last year? I think, I think me, there's room for, me, for improvement. I, no, man. I mean, I saw, I went to. There are still more things that I would have liked to have packed in and like a little bit more volunteer work. Um, that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to volunteer more with animals and I did some, and for my birthday, we went to Rescate, which is great in Costa Rica, like near San Jose. Um, they yeah. rescue lots of animals and we did a tour and I got to volunteer at kids saving the rainforest. So we got to help give medicine to animals and things like that. But one thing I will say about the year off is that like it, yes, it was amazing to have that time off and be away. I could have done another year, but it really did remind me and make me know that I love teaching. Like mm -hmm. I couldn't, I can't really think of doing anything else. So after a certain point, there were days when I'd be on the bike and I would just be thinking about, oh man, what's my next classroom going to be like? Or, you know, what are my next students going to be like? And it's just like, yes, you need to have those holidays and it is nice to have a break, but I missed teaching. Yeah. And I love it. And I'm so happy that I get to do it. And so that was what that year off taught me. But sometimes you're like, oh, I don't know if I should be a teacher anymore. I don't know if this is for me. You know, take some time off and think about it. And it's like, yeah, I took some time off and I want to get back into the classroom. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. You guys would have been recruiting from the road, yeah, right? We like you from Lake Cuomo. <laughs> and and <laughs> then our interviews were in France. Um, we some random hotel. We found hotel. A, a hotel. They had these horses, and there were all these flamingos nearby. That's what I remember from it. <laughs> she wasn't even planned. Like they reached I wasn't out to even, me. Yeah, they wanted to interview him, and they're like, "Oh, tell me about yourself." Well, I'm like, "Me and my wife were teachers." So they're like, "Wait a minute, you 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 have a wife? She's a teacher." I was like, yeah, her name's Jessica. Oh, she's not the same last name? No. And they're like, is she here right now? I was like, she's not dressed for it. She's in yoga. Just come on inside. I was come like in inside. yoga gear. I'd been packing up a tent, and I was totally caught off guard. And then they totally didn't even interview me. It was the easiest interview I ever did. I just kind of sat there like yeah. this. And you asked like, like two questions. I was like, uh, words are hard. Well, you guys, obviously you did. You obviously yep, did well. Yep. <laughs> It was crazy because then two days later, Toby and Tiffany got offers. So and we were just like, amazing. dude, yes. no <laughs> way. And then they were like, Yep, we're moving you all to Daharan. And then in March they were like, 
We're some things have come up, but we want to keep the entire Hallwood family together. So we're moving you all up to the RT campus. And like, and now Toby literally is my next door neighbor. He lives, his, oh, really? our, our permanent housing. I moved, we've moved into ours and Toby is right next door. He's going to be moving in sometime in the next two oh. weeks. So like, it's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. That's amazing. Yeah. Well, you guys are very, very lucky. Super That's lucky. super cool. He's super lucky. Um, and I feel super lucky to have just got to know you guys and for your time today. I really appreciated this. This has been fun. Thank you for listening to Just to Know You. If you know anyone who you think has a great story to tell, we would love to hear about it. Please send an email to either Angela, Darian, or Kent. We would like to thank our amazing tech man, Mr. Kent Ayumura, Derling McDonald for the podcast music, and the SAES community. See you next time.